Welcome to another episode of the Childhood Evolved podcast. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. This show is all about continuing to evolve the state of childhood forward, keeping in mind that it really wasn't that long ago in our history as humans that the state of childhood wasn't even considered to exist at all, and it has come into being and spoken into being and evolved forward because people pushed it forward, not by accident. So my name's Alex. I'm a preschool teacher. I work with three to five-year-olds every day, uh, 40 hours a week, and I love what I do. Although in all the years of teaching, I've had a lot of questions that, that pop up. And instead of figuring out all the answers through all these years, I've just mostly come up with new questions. And so for me, these questions are amazing because they lead to deeper conversations, conversations with myself, with other staff and families, and even with children. And so those conversations enrich your view of the world and of, of life itself. And by by being willing to come into the conversation and have it, we open ourselves up to new ways of thinking about things and new understandings. So there's so much information available today out there in 2019. And one of my aims with this podcast is to give myself, because as I'm producing the episodes, I'm thinking about these things deeper, and to give you, the listener, the tools to start these conversations and think about all the information that's out there a little bit critically so you can make your own informed choices and decisions, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher or someone that works with children, or whether you're just interested in the topic of child development and optimal things that we can do for children. So one of the things that I've been doing as I've been building this podcast and figuring out what to write, what to talk about, and how to kind of boost the show and get more people listening, I keep track of the numbers and, and what apps people are using to tune in, where they're located, things like that. So this week I noticed there's somebody in Brazil, which I just thought was the coolest thing in the world. I don't know who you are or how you found my show, but that's super duper cool, and I'm very grateful for you. And I'm really grateful for all of you listeners because, really, I, I love doing this. I love recording, thinking about what I'm going to say and recording it and publishing it for you, for all of you. But that's 50% of the equation, and, and you all are the other half and make it possible for this to be a thing. Otherwise, it's just me sitting in my apartment talking to the dogs alone which is kind of weird. So thank you, each and every one of you. Uh, especially want to thank my patrons who have logged on to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Childhood Evolved. And I'll link it in the show notes as well. But that support means the world to me because it's enabling me to kind of monetize the show a little bit. And it's putting me in more of a position where I can get more equipment, editing and mics and things like that. Maybe I'll even be able to start doing interviews pretty soon. And so... Logging onto that site and showing your support is something really simple and easy to do. I have support at, at the $4 level. So even if you have 4 bucks that you can afford to part ways with, it would really mean the world to me and, and help keep the show going. And at, at a certain level of involvement on Patreon, I promise to give a shout-out each show. And so right now I have Kathy in Rhode Island. Thank you for your support. And one more thing, since I'm asking you for things at this time, right? One more thing that would make a big difference for the show is to please rate it on whatever app you're using, especially on Apple. If you can leave five stars and even write a short review on Apple, it makes a world of difference because those ratings bump the show up so that it's seen by more people and more people can find the show, whether they're in Brazil or California or Europe or anywhere. So please, if you enjoy the show, 
take a minute out of your day and just and just write a quick review and I would so appreciate that. Thanks. So now diving right back into this week's topic, which is a continuation of last time, and that is reading. Figuring out ways to give children the opportunity to fall in love with books and literature and stories and to show them what books mean to me to be a good role model and to bring new books into their lives and to challenge them into new ways of thinking about those books and about those stories. So I've really been charged up for this stuff. One of my staff told me last week that I am hooked on phonics and I think that was a compliment and if not, it's at least a joke and it was a little funny. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And the results with the children have been really inspiring. For example, today I just filled the last few minutes between my circle time before lunch and lunch. I just grabbed the guitar and I played kind of a slowed down version of Puff the Magic Dragon, um, which I used to do all the time, but I don't think I've ever played it for this group of children for whatever reason. Um, One of the children, four years old, was in tears at the sad part at the end. And if you're not familiar with the song, maybe just pause the podcast and go listen. It's a pretty, pretty famous story. Um, and this is the part where Jackie Paper goes away. And I and I played it slower on the guitar and made it a little bit sad. And, you know, I was also kind of occupied those last about three minutes I needed before we went to lunch. So that was part of it, too. But this child is in, in tears and, you know, not upset, like really upset tears, but just the way you react to a sad story. And it reminded me of how important stories are to children. Just because the books themselves are a little more childlike or maybe they're silly doesn't mean that the emotional impact on children is even one tiny bit less than when we read our favorites, Jane Eyre, Pride and Prejudice, or even when we watch The Office to unwind or get into a a drama that really resonates with us, like Game of Thrones seems to do with a lot of people, for example. I couldn't really get into that one. I, I couldn't follow it, to be honest, but there's something different for each one of us out there, right? Last week, I was reading... Dragons love tacos with a child, and they just kept focusing and asking about the taco tree, which I couldn't remember. Um, and it's at the very end of the book. It's at, actually actually at the very end of the sequel, Dragons Love Tacos 2, where they're going back in time. And so this reminded me, this taco tree was so important to this child, and it reminded me of how certain elements of stories like just puzzle and fascinate us and keep us coming back to reread and to talk about it with others and see what they think and to just analyze it. I mean, I love thinking about Professor Snape and Harry Potter. He's one of the most interesting characters in literature to me. He's so complex. And maybe you haven't read Harry Potter or finished it yet. So just in case, no spoilers. But he's a a super interesting character. And so those of you who have read all the way through know what I'm talking about. Like It's it's fascinating to think about what his motives are and, and how complex the character is and really trying to figure out why he does what he does in the story. And a good story is a place where we find ourselves reflected back or we find the other people and situations in our own lives that don't quite add up and make sense to us yet. And so it's a safe place to work those things out. And it's absolutely a form of play. You know, play is a critical part of the development of humans and all the animals. It's just as important for adults as it is for children too. Not developmentally so much. We've already developed into who we're going to be. But as a a break and relaxation from life and just keeping our spirit alive. There's a really great book by Dr. Stuart Brown that's called Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. And he talks about this, this thing he terms a play deficit, and it can lead to sad feelings and low energy and depression and loss of interest in things. So 
Getting play back into your own life as an adult can make a huge difference in your quality of life, infusing laughter and joy and just that mysterious spark back into things. And yeah, so reading is absolutely a form of play. Depending on what you're reading, why you're reading it, you know, if you're reading the California State Law poster in the bathroom, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a form of play. Or if you're reading a textbook for school, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Whether or not you can get into fiction just as easily. You know, for me, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about my own reading, my own reading history, and nonfiction is something that really calls out to me a lot more. And I spent some time this weekend doing what I like to do, walking around in nature, thinking about things, trying to figure out why it is that I'm so drawn to nonfiction, and in particular history. And it's such a serious topic, and, you know, I get anxious with things, but I can read about World War II, or I can read about early American history and, and things like that, and it doesn't really make me anxious. It's kind of like looking at these stories that have already happened, no matter what happened, if it was good or bad or whatever, they've had a conclusion. And so it's comforting to read something that's taken place in the past for me and there's not a whole lot for like the anxious part of my brain to worry about like what's going to happen in the future and so history is is really cool because it's like okay this happened and this happened and this happened here's maybe what people think is the reason why you can think about some implications for the future and so I guess for me that's that's a form of play in my own reading where I'll just get into some obscure kind of history and just really go deep into it and for me personally, it's harder to get into fiction unless it's really, really good. And a lot of the times I'm drawn more to children's fiction. Like I think a lot of us are. Like Harry Potter is, is for children, and yet so many adults are so in love with that. The Hunger Games is a young adult book. And uh, Gregor, Gregor the Overlander is the same author, Suzanne Collins, who wrote The Hunger Games. She wrote that for more of the middle grade. And it's just one of the best series I've ever read about a boy and his sister and they go down into the the tunnels and sewers beneath New York City and they have this whole adventure. There's talking animals and rats and a whole kingdom and it's really just fantastic. And so for me, that's the kind of book where you get into it and you're sucked into that world and you're not in your own world anymore and time kind of ceases to be important to you and that's what we're looking for with play, which they call flow, when you're no longer keeping track of time and you're just in it. And so the more I've thought about how important this is in my own life and how much I've developed spiritually and with things like anxiety and high sensitivity and introversion, like all of that is stuff that's come from books into my life. And I'm so grateful. And I wanted to figure out any way that I can inspire children to just have that relationship to form it early so that it's there for them. And that's the other thing, whether you're reading a beloved favorite like Puff the Magic Dragon Dragons Love Tacos, really any of the dragon-related literature is bound to be high quality, right? Uh, but whatever it is, even the classics, Three Little Pigs, whatever, you're helping the child build a relationship with reading itself. And that can be much more important than exactly what the book is. So today I was asked to read this thin, floppy book based on some brightly colored, highly gender-stereotyped children's show. There are some kind of unicorn flying creatures. I don't even really know. Uh, but I read it, and the children that were gathered around me enjoyed it immensely. It's it's not a book we picked out for our school. It came from someone's house. So there's still so much going on in that moment. These children are learning to enjoy books for their own sake. You know, when I was a, a child, I read what I wanted to read because I wanted to read it. And when I was done, I was done, and I didn't read something if I didn't want to. 
you know, I wasn't trying to develop my mind or, or fill my time up or anything like that. And getting back into that state of being, I think, is so important for us and making sure our children have access that to that as well so that they're learning to enjoy books for their own sake. And all of us have things that we enjoy, which may not be like technically the highest quality stuff, like certain kind of music, TV books, whatever, but we have a balance in our life. We have a balance of what we eat. We have salads and healthy things and all that. And once in a while, maybe every night, maybe not, we have the ice cream, we have the cookies. So it's all part of the package and figuring out how to give that to children in a way that's not we don't want to push it on them. We don't want to make it an obligation because that just kind of kills it, right? We all know that. So I just want to kind of report back to you about a few other things I did this week that went really, really well that are kind of new ideas I had or that I got from some of the books and articles I talked about last week. So one thing I did was I, I gift-wrapped these books. I brought in three books, and the children voted on which one they wanted to unwrap each day, and I gave them a tiny little clue about what the book was going to be about and they got it built all this excitement around it and i created some new baskets to put the books in and it just created this whole culture where it's not just a book on the shelf i mean there's a ton of books in the classroom and it's easy to just kind of overlook the fact that they're there so when we draw attention to it and make it special and have a special basket for birthday books or library books or whatever the case may be it just helps to build that enthusiasm so that we want children to care for books not as an obligation but because they've fallen in love with them and children are rough on books. They drop them to the floor, they step on them, they rip them, and it's a constant struggle. Anyone that's teaching preschool or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's very hard with the books sometimes. But I think I have a theory that if we can kind of build that love for the books, maybe it'll help a little bit with that. Um, so with all of that in mind, I just kind of want to talk about a few specific books that I really want to recommend for children who are two or three years old, up to five, six, whatever, in your life, whether you're a parent or a teacher. So I mentioned above a little bit about Dragons Love Tacos, and I don't know if you've heard of this book or not, but it's just a really funny book. There's not an overwhelming amount of words. The illustrations are, are silly and humorous, and they convey what is happening in the story really directly to the, ch uh, to the child. And in the sequel, Dragons Love Tacos 2, they go back in time, back to the original uh, party or taco party that the taco that the dragons were having and so there's one page where they accidentally enter the wrong date and they go back to dragons love diapers and it's just so silly and the kids love it they love the the concept they love the illustrations and it's really really cool to see them getting into the humor like that and what kids what people find funny is very different based on who they are as individuals but it really really goes with the ages and stages too you really see many kids finding the same kind of stuff funny at these ages and then it changes as they as they get a little bit older so dragons love tacos and the sequel part two which is by adam rubin and it's illustrated by daniel salmieri i would really recommend that you check those out for just a really silly fun story that children are really likely to connect to and you know along with talking about the author and the illustrator this is something else i've done a lot of always but especially in the past week is Helping children become aware, like this person wrote the pictures, or wrote the words rather, this person drew the pictures, and there's sometimes the same person, sometimes different, and I point out, like, look, you're an illustrator, you, you draw pictures, and you tell stories. Sometimes I write down stories for children, and at certain points in the school year, I've done a lot of acting out, where children will act out their stories, 
and either with me reading it at one point I had like the computerized voice reading it because they thought that was silly and for graduation last year we actually recorded all of the children's voices so they they wrote their stories and created them and we recorded them that way they were able to act it out at graduation without the pressure of remembering all of that so back on the topic of humor though there's another book that's really really funny it's called King Alice by Matthew Cordell I mean there's a farting baby in this book the kids love that and there's just a lot of there's a lot of kid humor in the book that they really connect with and the pictures are cool it looks kind of like maybe hand drawn with pen and markers kind of thing it it looks a little bit more like not totally but a little bit more like the way it would look if a child drew it themselves so it kind of has that edge to it and it's got a good concept behind the story which is that this child is stuck inside the house on a snowy day trying to figure out what to do and is playing and is also writing the story of what she's playing as she plays it out and as the day progresses so it's kind of a neat story within a story kind of situation too so i'd recommend you check that one out and another big hit this week for my children has been a book called on a magical do nothing day by beatrice Alamagna. and i'll write all of these books the title and the author down in the show notes in case you want to look them up but this book is just really cool. It has a child, and they, they don't give the gender, by the way, of the child. They, I don't know if that's intentional, but there's just no clue on that in the book. And the children have different ideas, which is it's always cool when you're reading and the children have a different idea about what's happening because it's a way of teaching civil debate and discourse and having a different idea and things like that instead of just like yelling, oh, it's a girl, no, it's a boy, which is the starting point, right? But then we can we can do a lot more than with that. So... In this book, the child is going to some kind of cabin in the woods with their mom, and they have this video game, and they're just lying on the couch blasting aliens. The mom takes the game away. The kid finds the game and and takes off, leaves the house. It's raining, and all of a sudden, this child is hopping from stone to stone in the pond, and the video game falls in the water. Oh, no, what am I going to do, right? And it's a big moment. The, The kids love to kind of stare at that picture of the game falling into the water. And at the very end of the book, there's a little mini illustration of these fish kind of poking around the game. And all of a sudden, this child ha- has this whole adventure with mushrooms and digging their hands into the dirt. And it's the book describes things in a very sensorial way. Like you can you can smell the smells and feel the feels along with the character in the book. And I really get the sense that the children are right there in the world with the child, they even get closer to the book and, and put their faces up to it and maybe even kind of touch the pictures in the book. So there's a great lesson there if you're kind of trying to steer your children a little bit away from screens and showing them what else is out there in the world. And it's also just another picture book without a ton of words. I mean, it has the words, it tells the story. It's, it's not wordless, but it, it does it without being too wordy and the pictures are amazing and they convey the story which is important. A lot of the times when children are engaging with these books, I mean, there's 43 children in the school, so they're spending a lot of time on their own looking back through the book, flipping the pages and retelling the story to themselves. So as much as they can get out of the pictures on their own, it's helpful. There's also a lot of value in wordless picture books. David Wisner is probably the most popular picture book author in this domain, and one of the books we opened this week in my circle time was a book called Mr. Waffles, and it's a cat with a little toy, and there's like aliens inside the toy, and it's a whole adventure. 
And there's a lot of different little intricate panels, and you can spend a long time looking at each one and, and figuring out what's happening, getting the ideas from the children, debating a little bit back and forth what's happening, and even just, just the concept of the book to begin with. I mean, I had kids telling me they're ninjas, and they're cowboys, and they're aliens, and you know, they are typically what you describe as aliens, like green creatures in robes in a spaceship. But these children don't necessarily know that. They don't come in with all the preconceived ideas, so they get to look at the story, look at the pictures, and decide for themselves what it is. And without words in the book, we kind of give them the gift to do that and to become storytellers and to kind of co-create the story with the author, with the other children in the group, with the teacher. So it's wordless picture books are super-duper valuable, and you definitely want to include them in your collection as well. That's pretty much it for today. Um, as I said, I will type down all of these books and authors in the show notes so that you can clearly see what it is I'm talking about and look them up on Amazon or at the library or whatever the case may be. And so once again, please go check out my Patreon page. It would mean the world to me to have your support. It's patreon.com slash childhood evolved. And equally important, please like the show, give it some stars, give it a review. It'll really help boost things and get us more listeners and just help grow the show so that it can bring more value into the lives of more people who care about children and interact with children on a day-to-day -day basis. So thanks, and I'll see you next time.